you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, everybody. The Pro Bowl vote is here, and Awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players, and your vote helps decide who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. So show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. The Around the NFL podcast. Hasn't shown up for workouts. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined, it's a room that's just filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Mark, did I promise you? I, I'm waiting. A fantastic nug at the top of today's show. I'm not going to get in your way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he might. Uh, the Jets and the Browns, both, you know, two wild card hopefuls. <laughs> That's the Nuggets? No. Oh, okay. Okay. The uh, Tell me the last time our teams both were enjoying three game winning streaks at the same time. What year? I would say 1986. Exactly right. The Browns won three straight in weeks four through six and eight through ten that year. The Jets won nine straight weeks. Uh, weeks three through eleven. It has. It's been thirty-five they, years. Or whatever. They then went on to play one of the greatest double overtime playoff games ever. Yes, and I remember so a blown see- call by an official that cost the Jets that game. No, that's not how that game went. As down. I recall, a lot of blown calls in the I, NFL. I don't this suggest year that they'll be meeting well. each other again. Probably in not. the playoffs. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's enjoy it while we have it. Okay. I will attempt to. It's certainly, first time it's happened since we've worked together. So yeah. that's nice. This is week 12. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And uh, we got a lot of games to get to. And, the, you know, they say the real season doesn't start till Thanksgiving. So perhaps this is just a glorified exhibition, <laughs> what we watched today. But we're going to just treat it uh, with the gravitas it deserves, nonetheless. Chris <laughs> the Wesley. utmost gravitas. It's Thanksgiving week, so maybe this one gets... I don't know. Do you, like, grandfathered in somehow? Maybe. Um, so we're going to get to all the games, uh, ending with the Sunday night affair. 
uh, between the Niners and Packers. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like although it's a great moment for us right now, Mark, I, we got to start with Greg's favorite team once again. I did notice Greg actually kind of smirking during that uh moment, that nug that you unfurled yeah. there for us. Shocking. Just realizing that it doesn't really mean anything. Was it kind of like self-satisfied yeah. and uh, look like how legit pathetic they are? Attempting yeah. not that's, to break out into total laughter. That's my resting smirk face. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I look. You do have a resting smirk face. All right, let's get into the action. Yes, the Cowboys went to Gillette Stadium to face the defending world champions. So let us start there with our Week 12 recap. Brady in the gun. And Edelman now motions to the left as Brady takes the snap. Backs up, lucky left. Back shoulder fade for Harry in the end zone. Caught it. Touchdown. Patriots. Beautiful throw. Terrific catch for his first career score. Nikhil Harry. You find out what the rookie can do. We saw this in training camp. We saw it in the preseason. He's got the size to do the back shoulder catch. And it is a strike from the 42-year-old to the backside shoulder of number 15 to get him his first touchdown. Doesn't it feel like the best thing for Zolak to do? I'm just saying, rookie! 10 years, 12 years of just vocal rest. <laughs> because he can't keep going like this. It might be advisable. Bob Sochi and the Z-Man with the call for the uh, pa- Patriots radio network. Yeah, there's the touchdown we got from the Patriots. Uh, but this was another game decided by New England's Fierce D, which shut down... The Cowboys' top-rated attack, 13-9 win at Gillette Stadium. Wes, Tom Brady, missing several regular con- uh, contributors, lived in the Gabbard zone for the second straight week. But Brady in the offense isn't the dis- difference maker on this team right now. Well, he was prescient with his comments last week that we are a defense and special teams kind of team. rub it up And I think you can throw coaching in there, too. It was clear which side was better coached in this game. And I don't think I've ever heard Jerry Jones say what he said after a game like he did today. Basically, he said, um, it's very frustrating when some of the football, some of the fundamentals of football and coaching were what beat us today. And then he added, with the makeup of this team, I shouldn't be this frustrated. Basically saying, I gave you the players. They're out there. We are one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Why are we losing these close games over and over and over again? And I, to me, Let's, that was the Cowboys did not make enough plays. And to the Patriots' credit, they made more plays. And and the play that and the sequence that will stand out and what Garrett will be ripped to shreds for in the talking head shows uh, tomorrow and throughout the week. Uh, it's a terrible day in, in New England. It is cold. It is windy. It is raining. Uh, so you have that to contend with, as well as New England's excellent defense. And at 13-6, with about six minutes to play, the Pats are facing fourth down. And what was it? About fourth and six? Seven. 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 Uh, in the red zone. Uh, and they have a decision to make. And, you know, we, so, you know, Garrett, sometimes I try to defend him, but this is exactly the type of stuff it, which keeps the Cowboys from the next level. Instead of going for it and being aggressive and going for the tie, uh, you kick the field goal, and they did get the ball back. So you could say, yeah, but you could get on him for not going for it there and playing it too safe. But they had the ball with three timeouts and two minutes to play. Yes, but you had to go 95 yards by the time you got the ball back. And again, in these conditions against that day, your chances of winning actually went down, according to analytics, when you kicked that field goal. I mean, it's the same old stuff over and over again. 
I'm not surprised that, you know, a Jason Garrett team, you know, falls short in the small margins of things. That wasn't the most, you know, egregious Jason Garrett, you know, decision I've, I've ever seen just because of the conditions. I think you got to go for it there because, like you said, the, you have to get the touchdown and the odds on getting back there aren't great. You hadn't been there the entire game. But the, there's just a lot of little things. There was a, a formation, didn't expect to talk about this, but just while we're talking, Garrett, a formation that the Patriots threw at them two different times during punts that the Cowboys weren't prepared for. And one of the times uh, they had to get penalized. The other time, you know, they, they made a mistake. And the Patriots special teams that Tom Brady talked about has not been a strength this year until the last couple weeks. Uh, but they really won this game with a Matthew Slater, you know, blocked punt. And you've seen the last couple weeks that their special teams, which year after year is always one of the best groups in the league, is now making plays too. It was key against the Eagles, key this week. And the weather's so bad that you... You do have to give the offenses, I think, in each of these last two Patriots games uh, a little bit of a break. I don't think the Patriots defense would have held the Cowboys to nine points uh, without the weather, but you could say that the opposite is true. The Brady and the Patriots would have done a little more, too. We've been lucky where there haven't been a lot of terrible weather football games, but the Patriots have played eight straight quarters in windy, gusty, disruptive weather. My one thought on Jerry Jones and his comments is, Who has a better inside look and a longer look at a coach in Jason Garrett who is not going to match up ever with the Bill Belichicks of the world in situational football? This has been an issue with the Cowboys forever, and Jerry Jones' loyalty to Jason Garrett infuriates many Cowboys fans. So I get that you gave the players and you got the roster going, but this is a Jerry Jones issue as much that you kept around. There was also in this game that tripping call on Travis Frederick that I thought was, I agree with Troy Aikman. I it think was most, heinous. It was absurd, and that affected this when game. When was it? Uh, break that down a little bit. It was very late in the game in the fourth quarter on a key march for the Cowboys. It, was, it took away a, a Zeke first down. It, it set up a third and long, which turned into a, a fourth and long that the Cowboys didn't convert. It, it was a killer. I was surprised um, that Mike Pereira defended it and thought that it actually was a penalty. With a straight face. Give me a break. Well, because he's been very hard on the officials all year in general, so I don't think it's because he's some biased. Mike Pereira's argument is essentially an offensive lineman can never pick up his leg to move. That was Mike Pereira's lowest moment. He's very good. In fact, he is he is the best in that role as throw it to the uh, rules analyst and Pereira will give you concise information and be quick. But in this case, Here's he should have just fell on the sword because that was foolish to say that that was an attempt at a trip. He was like Wes was saying, moving his leg mechanically as a blocker must do to stay in front of a pass rush. Like I get it. And it was a big play and the Patriots got super lucky there. But I don't think, you know, you, at some point you have to look at the fact that they got the ball 12 times. They didn't score a touchdown. I so mean, why? No. where's the confidence that they're going to score a touchdown that drive? You know, you get a couple breaks if you're the Cowboys, a couple fumbles that, that they ended up recovering. And it does it does pain me when wins or games, like, get marred by the bad calls. But there's also so much else that happened in that game where that the Cowboys didn't take advantage or that they caught a little break that, you know, I guess I've, I've seen We're not worse. saying that cost them the game, but we're allowed to say it's an unsatisfying result result to Absolutely. a close game. Right. I, I, as a as a Patriots fan, I actually thought there was a lot of positives in this game 
for the Patriots, A, this is the best team they've beaten all year. They, they've not faced the, the toughest schedule in the world to me. Well, they played the Jets, but okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was earlier. You know, this is a new... Was that a Jets thing? That's a new Jets no, team. I mean, why? why? I'm, no, this is the... This Mark, is, do you, do you understand minute. the idea of an olive branch? Wait a minute. Oh, this before is, you snap I'm it li- over your knee. I am lifting our teams up. I'm lifting He's saying our teams they're hot. up. They're yeah, hot. So they're hot. That's sort of like a joke. It was, uh, it was yeah, not a non-olive branch. More heat, please. I also thought, you know, they ran the ball... Stinky Davis. <laughs> they ran the ball pretty well in key spots. They got the ball late, and that's where, again, you, you can fault a lot of things. The Cowboys didn't have to give up uh, first downs to the Patriots when they knew the Patriots were going to run at the end of the game. The Patriots also had a couple really well-blocked runs early in the game. It, it wasn't flashy. It's 20 for 85 for Sony Michelle, but those are the same numbers Ezekiel Elliott had earlier. You had Jacoby Myers, who's flashed at times, make pretty big plays as your number two receiver. You have Nikhil Harry have a touchdown. You have your first-round pick. Isaiah Wynn be key on a lot of these run blocks. He had some trouble with Robert Quinn, but I thought Troy was smart to point out they they had two people playing left tackle the last five or six weeks because Marshall Newhouse was so bad. You know, you have a running back chipping the whole time. Now you have the running backs going out for routes. I actually thought defensively it was as good a team game as they've played all year too that this Patriots team is going to win ugly. Like, they, they can't sweat, you know, having it not look too stylish. I, I would be officially concerned about Tom Brady's ability to throw to various areas of the field. I, I just don't think it's going to improve mm. or get better. Or, or last year, you know, average regular season in Patriots land, but they tear it up in the in January and become this juggernaut. I don't see the pathway right now. But that said, I don't really want to be the guy on record saying New England's in a big slump and they're not going to get out of it. To me, it's yeah, not his arm strength, though, because I think his arm in this game, at least on a few throws, were some of the best throws he made. There's also a couple the entire... wacky throws in this game and last week. And it's it was windy last week, too. But I mean... Right. I guess I'm... Like in terms of just pure arm strength, though, like the the deep out that he had to Harry, who dropped uh, the pass, and there was a, a bunch of key drops. The 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 rain and the wind seemed to affect the receivers even more than the quarterbacks. Both guys had four or five drops. Looked strong. I mean, he looked like he had a yeah. strong arm. He's not a deep uh, thrower. Though. I don't think Tom Brady in January ranks very high on the list of Patriots concerns. Uh, the Pats moved to 10-1. and one. That puts them atop the AFC. Keeps them there, I should say. The Ravens a game back, uh, but they do have the tiebreaker. Feels like a three-team race in the AFC. It's the Pats, it's the Ravens, it's the Chiefs. And getting that number one seed, What Greg, about the Jets? That's key. Mm. That's, you know, depending on who you ask. <laughs> well, right now... Mike Tirico on NBC was talking them up like crazy. You can stop talking about the Jets. The Patriots are zeroing in on, on a bye, and then it becomes a race for the, the one seed. Right now, they have... You need you know, that one seed this year, Greg. I think so, but the buy especially the buy is even more important than the ones just getting that. They're grandfathered into a buy. Give me a break. Last last thing is, I do think Stefan Gilmore deserves Defensive Player of the Year consideration. He's not going to get stats. But when you shut out Amari Cooper, you have a diving interception, you have a diving p- pass defense in the red zone. He's having a- as good a season as a shutdown cornerback can have. He's got nearly as many passes defense this year as receptions allowed. When Darrell Rivas didn't win in 2009. Right. I know he won't, but I just like it's throwing just like, it out when's there. it ever going to yeah, happen? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, let us move on. And Will Lutz from 33 yards. Zach Wood, hold is down, kick is up, and it is good! It's good! Will Lutz is good from 33, and the New Orleans Saints are going to win this one 34-31. Never a doubt, Deuce. Too much drama for me, Zach. <laughs> Way too much drama, buddy. You saw a team that was playing desperate, but man, they—they're—they're they're a good ball team. Zach Strife and Deuce McAllister of the Saints Radio Network. 
Yes, Will Lutz hits him 32 yards out as time runs out. Deciding points and a 34-31 win for the Saints over the Panthers at the Superdome. Lutz's make came minutes after Panthers kicker Joey Sly yacked a chip shot field goal of his own that would have given Carolina the lead with 156 to play. Kickers, man. Kickers, man. Uh, the Saints move to 9-2. and two. They remain in the thick of the race for the number one seed in the NFC. And, um, yes, uh, Deuce put it well there because this game started out as a, a boat race, uh, a cakewalk. All these things. I don't know what any of these things mean other than it means it's a blowout. Um, Especially boat race. Yeah, I have no idea what boat race means. Uh, but 14 nothing before you blink and you think the Saints are going to roll to one of those 38-17 to 17 type wins. Uh, but give credit to the Panthers. Uh, give credit to Kyle Allen, who bottomed out last week against the Falcons with four interceptions, but really played very well in this game. Really well, in fact. And, and when you guys watch this game, you will, uh, I'm sure, come away with the same feeling. Um, and it's just such a shame because... The Panthers were in trouble. You know, they were 5-5. Five and five. The owner just came out and said, I will not stand for mediocrity. And you kind of needed this win to have a pulse going into the back uh, end of your schedule. And your kicker cost you your season, essentially. And, and that's what it came down to because Sly, you know, he missed two extra points in this game. Yep. And, and then the, the field goal miss, it's remarkable how... When you watch it on replay, he's almost right in front of the uprights and he skies it just straight up and to the right and, and, and he misses it. And, you know, that's that's the way it goes. Uh, so the Panthers are cooked at five and six and the Saints. It's not a um, not a pretty win for them. And there's some things two of the last three weeks. Now, there's some things you could point to uh, and be maybe a little worried about. The defense certainly had had its issues today against uh, Allen and, and Christian McCaffrey, who had yet another big game. Uh, but it's survive in advance and stack wins because in this loaded NFC, you're going to have to win 13 or 14 games potentially uh, to get that by. They seem to really miss Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, DJ Moore had a big game today. And Christian McCaffrey, they were down 31-17. And I'm trying to track these games on red zone and everything else at the same time. He had what I would call almost like an Eric Metcalfian, that old amazing Browns player and Falcons receiver of old. Uh, touchdown run that was just, you know, he could not be shut down. I, I was impressed. And you, Dan, you often sing before our show a song, I'm Lonely, and it, it, mm-hmm. I, it has a, I don't know where that's coming from all the time from you, but if you would like to Dan's really be lonely. lonely, well, I mean, I get It's that. actually, I'm lonely, and then parenthetical, I'm lonely, close parenthetical. <laughs> it's, I mean, the lyrics are powerful, but yeah. be an NFL kicker that misses two PATs and a field goal. That's He could that's sing lonely. a song about being lonely, because you're already on the outskirts of that locker room mm. week to week, typically. This is a tough kicker year in general. Up and down the league, you're seeing all these guys that are uh, struggling Badly. Now, I want to get to one thing because it is a major subplot in this season, uh, instant replay and the review process and how coaches are obviously confused about what they should even throw the flag for uh, because almost nothing is being changed upon review. Uh, but now we're seeing an, an instance happen uh, in the Jets Raiders game I watched where they buzzed down at, uh, after a Jets touchdown and called OPI and called it back and it cost the Jets four points. And in this game, with the game hanging in the balance, tie game, 31-31, and the Panthers facing a third down uh, uh, deep in Saints territory in the final minutes, they get stopped and they throw the challenge flag, Carolina, 
And on a very eh, ticky-tack call, the booth reverses the decision and calls it OPI, giving them a fresh set of downs near the goal line. Now, to the credit of the Saints defense, they got three more stops. So they got six stops from uh, inside the 10-yard line uh, and then the sly miss. Uh, But again, just another example of how confusing it's getting even worse, Wes, with Pandora's box here, because in addition to them not changing things that seem like they would be changed, now we're getting this other element that's sneaking in uh, from upstairs coming in and making changes you don't expect. Let's hear what Sean Payton had to say afterwards. Look, I'm not going to get into it on the replay relative to the fouls, um, the change that took place in the offseason, but sitting in on every one of those meetings, uh, I don't know that it's exactly what we discussed, you know, where we are today with it. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not, but we, we've got to be able to adjust to it. So, obviously a glaring disconnect, and it's not getting better. Well, it's unacceptable the way Al Riveron has, has rolled on this rule this year. It's just not okay. And for him to say afterwards, after reviewing it, it was clear and obvious through visual evidence that the defender significantly hinders the receiver – Clear and obvious is not a fuzzy phrase. It's it's with clarity. It's by definition with clarity. We have seen so many calls with clarity that were clear and obvious that the New York office has not deemed clear and obvious. So this this rule is it's just a mockery. I would ask because the same thing happened in the Browns game too. And so suddenly you have a flurry of these happening. There's there about two or three last week, although none of those seemed questionable last week. But yeah, they've po- I'm, they've popped up suddenly the last two but weeks. A lot you of you could throw the flag on the same thing and then it, there wouldn't be a call on a similar type of play. It's just there's no consistency and it seems to be getting But when worse. there are there were three tripping calls today and there were only four Prior to this all season, <laughs> yeah. it makes me wonder. And I, you know, right. we don't, we're not on these phone calls if they even occur. Are there these officials gathering together saying, "Okay, guys, we've we've got to focus on this rule or this rule"? And some people are a little too duty oriented, and then suddenly <laughs> they're throwing yellow flags all over the place and calling down it's like and changing the, the games. The cops sitting in the speed trap at the bottom of a hill trying to get to his monthly quota. Exactly. Of one one quick thing before yes. we move on. This game is we have talked about Breeze's arm strength, and that that is a factor. But what we should mention too is the throws he made on a couple of those touchdowns are accurate throws that very few Breezy. quarterbacks can make where he just puts it in a window and then the back shoulder throw he had to Thomas basically to set up the game winning field goal the timing it took Thomas didn't turn around until the ball is right there and you don't need arm strength for that you need accuracy and timing and he had a lot of pretty throws Breezian He's a master in the one-minute drill. He can still do a lot. For as much criticism as we're giving him, he's got a lot of strengths. Dan? Yes. Will you sing the song? Because Mark teased it, and then you guys didn't sing it, so I feel off balance. Okay, it goes a little like this. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Please help me out. Please save my life. Please help me out. <laughs> now you're adding no, new verses. We get, we get rich it new verses gets, yeah. depending yeah. on the mental state. Thank so. you. That's like where I was right song. now. Um, one last note. Uh, Michael Thomas has 104 receptions. Thanksgiving is on Thursday. Be careful. Yeah, I would, you know, 142. <laughs> Just sit right there. Now worth monitoring. Best for you and your family, most likely. Let's move on. David Moore wide to the far side. A handoff straight up, up the middle. And Penny is off to the race of 20, 15, 10, 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. He was shot out of a gun. Rashad Penny from 58 yards out takes it to the house. And if you can't chip away, why not blow up the entire stone? And that's what Rashad Penny just did. 
Nice job, Steve Rabel. Seahawks Radio Network. The rare shot out of a gun as chewing the cannon. Right. Gotta mix it up. <laughs> Rashad Penny ran for a career best 129, including that 58-yard score you just heard, to lead the Seahawks to a 17-9 win over the Eagles, who suffered through yet another miserable day on offense. They are in serious trouble. Greg, the Seahawks didn't have Jadavian Clowney in this one. But they improved to 6-0 and on the road. Life's good on the Seahawks' corner. How's your FOMO? Uh, it, it's fine. Uh, I get to watch the Seahawks' big play offense, and they are so different than the Eagles. In a game that the defenses did a great job throughout, the difference is Russell Wilson only has 13 completion, but he has 200 yards. He has a 38-yarder to Lockett, a 33 to Turner, uh, which came on another flea flicker, which hurt the Eagles. I mean, that was the only Seahawks touchdown until that Penny touchdown. So they were struggling too. 31 to David Moore. You had a 21-yard play to Hollister. Penny had that big run and another one. At, they're explosive. So even on days where you're going up against a really good defense, like they will hit you for chunk plays and find a way to get a win. And if I'm a Seahawks fan, I love that this that the defense has come out of the last couple of weeks playing their best two games of the season. And yes, it was against the Eagles, who have all sorts of trouble, and and the weather was a factor, but I don't care. This Seahawks defense wasn't stopping anyone for a while, and they've had two really great performances. You know, Dan, I know your kids and my kids, when they were younger, were obsessed with garbage trucks, mm-hmm. and, you know, they'd line up and, and on, on these L.A. streets and watch these trucks rumble up and down the road on garbage day. And if you watch those videos attached to that, that they, these garbage trucks, they rolled up to some center somewhere, and they empty all their contents into a gigantic warehouse filled with garbage. That's the NFC East right now. I mean, it is a junk division (laughs) at the moment, and it's hard to watch. But the Eagles are dealing with so many injuries today. They did not have Alshon Jeffrey. They don't have Lane Johnson. They don't have Nelson Aguilar. They don't have Jordan Howard. And the offense is a result of this. They already were broken down when those guys were healthy. Even in... Then they lose Brandon Brooks, who might be the all-pro tackle, uh, to an illness. So it won't be a long-term thing, you wouldn't think. But he did not play after midway through the second quarter. And their defense, who's they're, they're a playoff defense right now. Their defense is peaking. They were flying around today. You know, they really held Seattle, who just felt like they had a million possessions. I mean, if you liked Patriots-Eagles last week, punt fest, uh, you're going to love this one because it's a lot of turnovers, it's a lot of punts, and no, it's, you punt it, it's a lot of defense. The Eagles have scored one touchdown in their last 25 possessions. Carson Wentz turning the ball over today, too. Carson Wentz can't shoot straight. I mean, he has 11 turnovers and seven touchdowns in his last six weeks, and he was so inaccurate today, and yes, the weather was bad, but Russell Wilson, I thought, played great. If it wasn't for four or five drops, his, his stats would look uh, a lot better, and Wentz is just I've I've mentioned he's he's not an accurate like as stars go he's not accurate and it just seems like with this receiver core it makes it even worse. This is the receiving core that they ran out there alongside Zach right. Ertz, JJ Arthega Whiteside, nice. Greg Ward picked up a lot of first downs. Greg Ward I would Greg say Ward was their Jr. best wide receiver, former quarterback, Mac Hollins, Jordan Matthews, 2019. Yep. Um. Yes, Yikes. Carson Wentz essentially is being asked to save the world, but maybe he's not up to right, the but, task right now. Right, but when he just – there was a couple plays really early in this game where he had just wide open guys in the flat on third and three, and he, like, threw it 10 yards over their head. Is he pressing or is it I, just uh, – You know, he – like His play. There was, there was a play to me that kind of typified it. It was a fourth and two, 
and he had all day to throw. It was you know it was a time where they they did do a good job protecting it, and he kind of goes through his progression slowly. He gets to the check down late. He sees Ortega Whiteside. How about that? Nice. Um, well done. And he throws it to the wrong hand. He throws a fastball from five yards away when Ar- Ortega was uh you know going to okay. the left. I'd, I'd say and, one, and that was all on when. So like, there was a lot of plays today that were all on. But win. to be fair, because I think we we're not. In, in, we don't really see from the quarterback side that you're practicing almost very little with any of these guys. How much? How many reps does Carson Wentz have with Greg Ward Jr.? I mean, you're, you're it, it, then suddenly you have to in a game situation operate in you know conjunction with them. Good luck. I would look into Greg Ward Sr. and see maybe if he's an upgrade on Jordan Matthews. Maybe Greg Ward three. <laughs> you don't know how old he is. I like that you always say three instead of the third. Remember when it was well, Robert, Robert Robert Griffin, Griffin three? It is like a mental block for me, and it's not. It's not, I'm not trying to be cute. Robert I'm Griffin just, three. KJ Wright had one of those that true? quotes. I, I've always struggled with the yeah, RG. So that's how it comes RG. out of your brain? Like the Robert Roman Griffin the third or Robert Griffin three. Yes. I don't know why. <laughs> He's doing great. That's right. You know. Greg that Ward was three. a fascinating little look into the uh, cranium. That's one of the brighter hey, things happening. KJ Wright had one of these <laughs> quotes that I think is going to get a lot of play in Philly all week where he said, we were calling their plays all day you mm. know, before they ran them. We knew... Oof. Wait, what don't, was coming? Don't KJ they, Wright and Bobby Wagner say that after they every love game? Say, they love saying that. Well, they're smart guys. They have that by Jimmy G. Yeah. How about, makes you look good to say that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, Shaquem Griffin, who you know got all the love in the world, obviously, for overcoming what he did, but has mostly been on special teams until this point. They're using him as a situational pass rusher, and he's starting to make some plays, which is amazing to see. He had two QB hits today. He didn't get credit for a forced fumble, but he blew up a play that was a very key forced fumble uh, in this game. Uh, they, they should have given it to him. And on the play, which the, the penalty ended up you know, calling back his recovery, he picked up the ball with his one arm and ran with it, which is just like, I don't know, watching him be a third down kind of difference maker and coming in on passing downs is pretty awesome. Jim Abbott threw a no-hitter once. Yes, oh, he yeah. did in our youth. Labor Day Also his youth. It's a magical moment. A pretty good Indians lineup too, Wes. Oh, yeah. By Erga, Al Bell, oh, Paul Kenny, Sorrento. Kenny Lofton. Let's delve into Jim that for Tomei. five or six minutes. Sorrento. <laughs> Robbie Alomar. I don't know if Sorrento is. <laughs> Sandy Alomar Jr. Five and a six. A good Paisan, that Sorrento. Five and six Eagles. Wake up. Erica, can you look up the 1993 Cleveland Indians and let me know if Paul Sorrento was on that roster? Sure. Might have been with the Mariners at that stage. I'm not sure. All right, let us move on to an AFC game. Second and 13. Josh takes the snap, wants to throw it, waits, fires into the end zone, looking for his man down there. It is caught, caught for the touchdown, caught for the touchdown, John Brown. What a throw by Josh Allen over the top of Chris Harris, drops it right into the breadbasket of John Brown. Turn this off my headphones, Ricky. Pops and robbers. Native. No, the natives bring me the girl. Yes, typically. Where's Spider-Man? I like how we all have different interpretations of what this music. I know you're you're into like ancient, you know, tribal like warfare, Island. and we're we're cops and Superman and Super Spider-Man. It's interesting. The cartoon version of Spider-Man from the early eighties. The one little eerie and strange. Nothing for Greg. Mm. Yes, that would. I like it. It's a little uh, tropical. Thirty-two yeah. years old. I'm more tropical. Josh Allen threw two touchdown passes, including another scoring hookup with John Brown. A 20-3 win over the Broncos. The 
Bills move to 8-3, and three, their best start in 23 years. And as we talked about on Thursday's show, this sets them up really well uh, as their schedule tightens up. They have some wiggle room here. Wes, Buffalo continues to take advantage of the schedule, which to this point has been pretty inviting. Uh, and now they're adding some decisive wins to their ledger. So credit to the Bills for that. I said on Thursday that these teams were closer than the record might suggest, and I am pleased to eat crow on that one. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills gained 300 more yards than the Denver Broncos today. Oof. It was 22-9 to nine in first downs. Oh. Uh, the Bills had the better scrambling Allen at quarterback by far. Uh, Josh Allen, I think this is his best back-to-back two-game stretch of his career. And you can say the Dolphins, you know, anybody can put it on them. The Broncos' offense is a tomato can. Sure, no doubt. But their defense is top five since week three. This was a pretty good performance. It's not a perfect Josh Allen performance, but the athleticism, the like sheer raw ability as a scrambler to get away from these these athletes at defensive end and linebacker is fun to watch. Uh, John Brown and Cole Beasley have been great free agent signings. This team has a lot going for it. They have a two-game lead for, uh, for the number five seed with five games left to play. But as Mark pointed out on our Sky Sports hit, their schedule is at Dallas – Versus the Ravens at Pittsburgh at New England and then hosting the white hot New York Jets in the season finale. Who will have been riding a seven game winning streak by them? <laughs> yeah, that, that will yeah. have playoff implications, maybe even divisional. If you're the a Bills fan, though, you have to feel great because we we were hard on them early in the season because we say you know beating bad teams convincingly is a sign that you're good. The way that they were winning was not a sign that they were going to go far. These last two weeks have been amazing, and then it's. What's going on underneath all of that? They haven't had much of a pass rush uh, for much of this season, but the last couple of weeks, Ed Oliver wakes up. He's He's playing great. He's making some noise. Uh, You get a pass rush on Brandon Allen. And then Matt Milano, who I thought was a really key player for them a year ago and was really a shell of his former self for much of this season, has also started playing really well. So sometimes with injuries, it just it takes a while to recover from something that serious. But when he's playing this well, him and Edmonds are as fast a, a linebacker duo as there is. There was one other interesting note from the Bills offense today. They went no huddle more frequently than they have in five years. And they ran 73 plays, their most all season. So they are trying something new with the up-tempo offense, and it suited them well. When we've seen Denver's offense in recent weeks start to show us something interesting about the future, it's because Cortland Sutton and, and Noah Font both were operating pretty well. Four catches today for a combined 41 yards. Tredavious White has a lot to do he's that. He's a stud. He's, he's been awesome. He's right there on the all-pro list behind Stephon Gilmore. Absolutely. Hmm. I, uh, Look at this, running for 244 yards on Denver's defense. Congratulations, John Elway. You have crafted a roster ugh. at this point with zero identity. I thought you were going to... I used to be alone on this island, and now everyone's on the island, and I love it. I wow. want I want condos. I want high-rises. Everybody going against the John Elway empire, realizing the emperor has no Ooh, clothes. I mean, they won a Super Bowl. But. <laughs> right. He, he did do that for them. Uh, I thought you were going to say congratulations to the inconvenient truth. Frank Gore, 15 for 65 and becomes the number three all-time leading rusher. And just because people are jerks on the internet, immediately I saw people be like, well, of course, he's not in the same league of Barry Sanders. It's, you know, he's just compiling. He's being accurate. Like, no kidding. Like, no one is going to say that he is a superior running back on a play-to-play basis. Of course. 
course not. But what he's done and what he's been special at throughout his career is the reason he got to number three. Teams keep employing him because he's a value add into not just what he brings, you know, behind the scenes, but because he can turn two yards into four, because he can pass protect, because he's good in the receiving game, because he's better than your backup running back. The, the way that he's lasted this long is incredible. I want to know more about what he's doing behind the scenes. Oh, he's, he's an all-time leader. When the nuclear Greg doesn't share everything he knows. When the nuclear holly, holocaust comes, it's going to be cockroaches climbing out, and then five minutes later, Frank Gore <laughs> Rutted for four yards. On his, there you on go. And Greg behind him with a little notebook, writing notes <laughs> and telling everyone about him. I had I had several <clears throat> snarky replies in mind, but I'm just going to let it go, Greg. It's an, a great achievement. I mean, it's not on me. I mean, it's just that. Congratu- so, says more about you. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, oh, we have an update. Breaking news. All right, Wes. Mark, Greg, Paul Sorrento played for the Minnesota Twins, 89 to 91. The Cleveland Indians, 92 to 95. Then he went to Seattle, 96 and 97. They closed it out with the expansion Devil Rays, 98 and 99. So what is that even? So Wes was correct. Oh, I was right. Oh, Dan Paul Sorrento. Was right. Was right. Well, I, the listener has forgotten by now. Whatever you were, we were talking. Had Wes, about. I don't had remember. Had Wes been correct, we would not have even done a breaking news strip there. But that's, no, it was important. Yeah. I'm not allowed to follow it up. All right. Was it good to know the information? I'm glad you buzzed in, Spot but I don't on. think I have that authority. To, I thought that siren was uh, that, that Drew, Drew Locke is coming in for Brandon Allen. That's, he should. It's a bra- Wait, I have a Charlie Whitehurst note. Okay. Oh, wow. Brandon Allen is the first quarterback since Charlie Whitehurst five years ago to attempt 25 passes and throw for 82 yards or fewer in a game. Following in the footsteps of clipboard Jesus. Mr. Jewell. Right next to the Frank Gore Barry Sanders note comes that. I mean, of, of high intrigue. Gore, Sorrento, Clipboard Jesus. Clipboard Jesus. Let's yeah. move on. As Darnold's back to throw off play action. Looks right, throws up the right seam and in stride at the 40-yard line. He's got Berrios. He gets loose. Left sideline 40. At the 30. At the 20. Looking for the pylon. Pushed out. Braxton Berrios all the way down to the one-yard line. Like a lightning, he shot up the right seam. And Sam Darnold found him with a sidearm throw. 69 yards nice. to the most unlikely target on the field, Braxton Berrios. Bob was choosing for the call, with the call Jets Radio Network. Whoa! 34 is wild. Sam Darnold threw two touchdown passes, ran for another score, leading the resurgent New York Jets to an impressive 34-3 victory over the Raiders on Sunday. It's their first three-game winning streak in over two years. Wes, why is 34 wild? Because they've done it three straight weeks? They've scored 34 points exactly in each of the last three weeks. All victories, and uh, listen, I am not going to get too excited about the Jets getting oh, into yes, the wild card. You, you, you already are. <laughs> <laughs> because in New York City, come on, do it, New York City. You know what? You're right. I'm just going to enjoy this while it lasts because you have in the next two weeks. And I am, I am, my eyes are wide open. I've been a Jets fan for too long to look past anybody. Success never sits well with this organization, uh, no matter um, you know what the stakes are, because uh, a three-game winning streak that gets you to four and seven is not something to get too overly <laughs> amped up about. But you have at Cincinnati next week, the worst team in football, and then you're home against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are one of the worst teams in football. You're in your building. You should get to six and seven, and we've been talking about it that nine and seven keeps you in the mix. 
mix uh, to potentially get a playoff spot. Now they have a tiebreaker over the Raiders. So you, that, those are the things that you could I, spin to be excited about with the Jets. Um, <laughs> when now, I walked in the building this morning, I was definitely not expecting Jets playoff talk. And I didn't start it. Mike Tarico started it. That's what really got my mind cooking. He brought them up several times. I like the do it lady. Yeah. Because she, she's all in on it. Anyway, so it was an absolute uh, beating. I mean, the, the Raiders who cannot simply, and few teams are, but the Raiders certainly cannot look past anyone. And that's how this game felt because the Raiders have a big division showdown at Arrowhead against the Chiefs next week. Uh, but they first they had to travel east and, and play the Jets. And from the kickoff, uh, you know, the, the Raiders get three points to start the game. But then it was all Jets for about 57 straight minutes. How bad did it get? Derek Carr yanked from the game in the third quarter. Josh Jacobs, same thing. Sit down. We, and John Gruden waves the white flag. He knew his team had nothing. Zilch. And they just said, let's live for another day. I didn't think it was a great look, by the way. I know it didn't really matter. And, Greg, you were saying maybe, you know, teams should do this I'm more when they're te- getting killed. I'm surprised teams winning and losing don't do it a little more. I just don't, Especially I don't the love the message year. of it all. When you, you score a couple touchdowns in the NFL, it can happen quickly, and all of a sudden there could be a pulse. You're playing the Jets, who specialize in that for 50 years. But uh, I, was, I welcomed it because the game at that point was over when Mike Lennon enters action. Uh, so anyway, the Raiders no-show against the Jets, and it's a reminder that as good as the Raiders are at home this year, and they're genuinely frisky and fun, uh, that if you get them on the road, you can get a very mediocre team, and the Jets made them look worse than that on they're, Sunday. They're just a team that, to me, if you get the game you got today from Josh Jacobs, there's just not enough else on this Raiders roster to to hang your hat on. And we talked about this being, you know, it has been a rough year for Adam Gase, but this was the win I pointed to and said, you want to change people's perceptions and change the energy, it would be this. And it's a thumping. And yes, you can talk about the 34 points, you know, three weeks in a row. The Jets' defense has been awesome the past couple weeks. And Gruden's comments after this game were as strong as I've seen all season. He was seriously pissed off. Well, I know everybody's obligated to just fall head over heels with the Raiders and never question anything, but this is a team with a 6-5 and five record and a point differential that is worse than the Falcons, worse than the Broncos, worse than the Lions. Negative 56. Yeah, they're... I, they're just I, to me. They're not a playoff team. Well, we'll we'll see. And because of the schedule, I don't think they will be either. I would be concerned about the line. And Dan, you watch this game closer. I would say what they can hang their hat on for the first eight nine weeks of the season was their offensive line was maybe the yeah. best in like. And they got worked last week against the Bengals. I mean, they were dominated, and which was shocking to watch. And then the week before was one of their lowest games of the season in terms of yards for play against the Chargers. They did not top 300 yards in that game. And then you score three points against the Jets. So what was making this team good was the line and their efficient offense. And that real that's a three-week trend, and that's a concern with the Chiefs coming up next. You made the point that the Jets are playing very well in defense, Mark. They have, and probably people aren't really plugged in on this, that Jets have the best run defense in the National Football League uh, this season, and Josh Jacobs was the latest guy uh, to run into a hole he had about 30 yards before exiting. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Greg Williams the- is the perfect coordinator for a team without a ton of talent. Yes. You're like, you don't want to have a team that doesn't have a ton of talent, but if you do, I think Greg Williams I is a wonder, good guy to have. I wonder if he's one and done regardless. 
just because this is the track record and you hear things that things behind the scenes aren't very smooth as usual with Greg Williams and uh, what's going on over there. But I think he's done a very good job this year. And and the Jets' offense now starting to come around. This is kind of who we thought they were, which is a, a, a team that could be maybe around a 500 team that could play teams at their level closely, win some of these games. Uh, so uh, progress now for the Jets, who really needed it, and Sam Darnold, who's playing very well right Every now. good game by Sam Darnold matters a lot. Especially how bad it was for that stretch there, the ghost game with uh, the Patriots, the Jaguars game, the Dolphins loss. So I've been really impressed by how strong he's been. I don't think he's had an interception uh, in a, a three straight games now. So uh, definitely progress. All right. Now, before we move on, let's take a quick kind of pause here. Uh, we have a, a listener who has a, a little brother who um, was in a, a video that went viral on social media. Um, we talk about uh, Greg's colorblindness on the show a lot. Uh, but in this case, in this video, and, we, and if you're watching this, our show, uh, our video show right now, you could you could see this, but you could also check it out online uh, of a of a kid using glasses to be able to see in color for the first time, and he gets emotional, and it's awesome. And it turns out his older brother, who posted that on Twitter, is a big fan of the show. Mark, and I know you were moved by it enough that you reached out to the brother, and uh, you wanted to share. Yeah, his brother is is name's name is Ben Jones, and we'll give you some information so you can go look at this on your on your own after this. But um, I mean. Some of us in here are dads. Wes had a bunch of brothers, older brothers, younger brothers. And you just watched, to me, I watched this thing uh, at home last week and it blew me up because, yeah, it's not just, let's just watch it and you, we can talk about it after. They're all yours. Okay, they're all yours. Let's see what it, see what it does. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think then? Look, Nico. Oh, he cried. That's awesome. Hey, come here. Come here, dude. Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> so here's a here's a look at a follow up tweet that uh, you can find, and we'll tweet this out to you to the GoFundMe page that this boy's mom, Carol Walter Jones, started. And it's worth noting that that principal who brought him those glasses also has dealt with severe colorblind. Uh, issues his entire life. So I, I, to me, I just saw this thing and it's like, wow. I mean, I having my own kids that have their ups and downs, They uh, this GoFundMe page has already uh, raised over $24,000. The glasses are about $300 each. And this company that creates them in Chroma.com is apparently going to match uh, give away a pair of glasses for everyone that's funded. So if anyone, we've got awesome listeners who have helped with a lot of things before. If this hit you the way it hit me, Help out. That's awesome. Glad to help however we can, and maybe we'll get you a pair too, Greg. I don't think they. I think Greg has a yeah, maybe a different level. Yeah, of, I don't think that's color blindness. Uh, that's how it works. Okay. We could try. Just, we could try. Just a thought. Just a thought. I, I saw a video like that a couple of years ago where it was an older gentleman, and after like sixty-five years, he got a pair of glasses, and the, you're just struck by the instant emotion that like your life has changed from there on out. Nothing will ever be the same. It's wild. Awesome. And uh, to that boy's brother, thanks for listening, buddy. And we're happy to help however we can. Let us move on. Tannehill and company start at their own. 26. Here comes Henry 30. Henry 40. Henry 50. Henry Stiffard 40. 30. 20. 10. 5. End zone. Touchdown. Titans. Do you want 
some of that. <laughs> you got to love Dave McGinnis there in the background with Mike Keith, just laughing. Sometimes you just got to laugh. Derrick Henry is good at rushing the football. The Titans scored four touchdowns over six offensive plays in the third quarter. That 74-yard run, uh, just one of them. A 42-20 beatdown of the Jaguars. That's two straight wins for the Titans who stay in the mix uh, for a wild card spot. Mark, do you believe? Wild card division even. They're in the mix. What do you think, Mark? I do because I think the one, th- one of the more underrated or less not talked about enough units in the NFL is Tennessee's defense. Let's start right there. A lot of this, this 20 points by Jacksonville, a lot of it happened in what, and I know we don't know, no one knows what garbage time is anymore, but it happened with the game well out of hand. It was the entire second half of the offense. By the time they got the ball, it was over, right? In the second half. It was absolutely over. I mean, the 28 points the Tennessee scored in that rapid fire succession, that explosive third quarter was the most they've put up since they were the Houston Oilers in 1990 against the Cleveland Browns team in the last November day. And it is concerning to me when we can preview these games and how often we preview them and we get them totally wrong, but we diagrammed without anyone really questioning it that Derrick Henry was probably going to do what he's done against the Jaguars again. And it was like the Jaguars know this is coming. They can't stop him at all. 219 yards on the ground by the Titans today. And this comes after... Last week, the Jaguars gave up 264 yards. And before the bye in London, 216 on the ground. This team is done. This team that used to be based around their defense simply cannot stop anyone on the line right now. They cannot overpower anyone. And it's it's easy to lean on the Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew part of it, because I will say the offense in Jacksonville, and I'm not just blaming Nick Foles, has zero energy. It's all dried up. The deep passes, the daring do, the late game heroics are all gone. And so it's probably just that Nick Foles has come in at the wrong time because you're suddenly in games where you're getting beaten down on defense, and there's not enough from Nick Foles or the offense to make up for it. If the Titans played the Jaguars every week, they'd be the Larry Zonka 1970s Dolphins. Mm. Didn't they lose to the Jaguars? <laughs> or am I crazy? Yeah, the, the Titans, but that's beside the point. You, you know, over the last few years, the Titans have been unbelievable against the Jaguars, and it would be nice if to see Nick Foles play, but but it does it does, wouldn't matter. This was a great. There's no, there's no way Gardner Minshew is. Ma- By the way, that they've been blown out three straight weeks, and it hasn't remotely been close. One of those weeks was with Minshew. Two of those weeks now are with Foles. If you're a defense that's giving up touchdowns on four straight possessions, none of which went over four plays, like Ooh. you're not you're not winning that game. The Jaguars no. are not built. I don't care if Minshew is in there or not. Like they're not built to win these. The one other note I would mention is that Ryan Tannehill has, I think, bought himself serious consideration for starting work, whether it's with Tennessee or another team next season, because he, just as we talk about Nick Foles coming in in the offense, nosediving, Tennessee has become a, an attack that you can count on for a couple big plays a game. And Tannehill, I think, has won over the entire locker room with his ability to scramble, his mobility, and just 
throw his body fearlessly into defenders like he did on a touchdown today. Is this, is this like a Ryan Tannehill where he's changing and becoming something that he wasn't before? I don't know if I buy that. He just fits really well into this offense right now. I was going to say, everything you said is right, and I agree with everything you said, but I would still, if I were a team shopping for a quarterback, well, I would shoot well, higher. If, t- if we're shopping, if he we're talking about Andy he's Dalton. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to be the Titans I think quarterback. He'd stay right Barring there. a face plant, he'll get the franchise tag. Right. He'll be on the Titans, and what they do around him will be will depend. <laughs> What on. an achievement that would be. If he gets the franchise, what would that make him? A $23 million quarterback or whatever it is? That is, From a guy that lost a starting job and entered the season as a backup to be playing on a one-year $23 million, just throwing that number out there, that Even is pretty more. remarkable. It, it, or they'll figure out like a two-year deal where it, it's front-loaded. Right. I just would be surprised if he's not one of their options. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to have a high draft pick. It doesn't mean they don't look for other potential options you would almost expect them to draft someone too but you know he's whoa, helped whoa. himself i mean he's earned it. he's bringing them back to nine and seven just like we've been joking about all year even when they were a couple games under 500 <laughs> That's they'll we, be. they found their way and in the and they are the team i think if you're looking like if you're the bronc the browns or or the jets and you're hoping everyone falls flat just feels like the titans are going to find a way to win enough games to at least get to that nine number uh, the franchise tender for quarterback is a shade under $25 million. Good money if you can get it. Um, I It'll be interesting to see how they handle the situation at, at quarterback now for the rest of the season. It's a lost season. So what what do you do if you're the Jaguars? It, it would seem unfair to put Foles back on the bench, um, but I also get the temptation maybe. I to think if they win, they were officially Minshew. eliminated. Maybe they do. Don't you think it's already unfair that Minshew's on the bench? Well, I, I personally do, but I but I think they were in a I, tough spot. I mean, he was as an a 500 quarterback so. to me that had moments. 500 with this team was playing well above his. I, I I get it. They've been they've been blown out three straight weeks. Their offensive line is bad. This if they continue to lose like this, I mean they've been the worst team in the league or, or one of them for the last three games that they've played. Three straight convincing blowout losses. If it can continues even remotely along this path, Shad Khan's going to be thinking about firing everyone. Oh. Tom Coughlin, David Caldwell, and Doug Marone. That's just a fact, right? I mean, why hasn't he thought that the last few years? Because they made the NFC Championship game less than 24 months ago. That's why. My thought is the game was spinning out of control when they scored 14 points in 16 seconds or whatever it was. Um, he gone. I think Marone, for starters... It feels like the end of the road. It just feels like I I have no problem with them sticking with Marone and the whole crew before this year. You also added Nick Foles thinking everything might change. Right. And then this whole Gardner Minshew thing happened and put you in a really weird position with this quarterback you paid a king's ransom to. All right. It is now time for Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. I don't know why I'm talking like Oprah. (laughs) I like it. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. 40, 35, 30. Bumps a man at the 20. 15, 10. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Wow. 73 yards. Hodges to Washington. Oh, that was a beautiful post pattern. That was a beautiful stiff arm. Chalute, that was the best stiff arm since Vance McDonald in Tampa Bay, was it not? Yeah, buddy. 79 <laughs> yards. Can I make that correction? Oh, he, he, he knocked him down. Oh, Tunch. Tunch, he's having fun. Yeah. Was Tunch at like a party before the game? Tunch Punch. Bill Hillgrove and Tunch Ilkin. Bill Grove. Of the Steelers Radio Network. Devlin, Duck, Hodges took over. 
for Mason Rudolph, who is bumbling again. And Duck throws a 79-yard touchdown pass, lifts the injury-diminished Steelers to a 16-10 win over the Bungles. Uh, The Bungles, who moved into the driver's seat for the number one overall pick on Sunday. They're in good position for that. They have now set franchise records for their worst start and longest losing streak with their latest setback. Wes, that hack is still on the roof somewhere in Cincinnati. Um, anyway, come you- down. Life is short. Carpe diem. Come down from the roof. It's not worth waiting till the Bengals win a game. No. Come on. Uh, check your retweets, though. See how well it's This doing. might be more interesting or more like living than check whatever he was doing before that. He you said know. he's bored silly. Oh, okay. I take it back. <laughs> well, what's he doing on the ground? Is he, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you're stuck on like a 10-foot by 2-foot piece of metal railing. How fun. Well, at least they got his hopes up for a little while. Wes, you wanted duck. You pleaded for duck. You got your duck. Duck season, S-Z-N, capitalized, is here. Within his first two pass attempts, he had more yards than Mason Rudolph had on 16 pass attempts. At one point, Mason Rudolph had thrown five interceptions in his last 28 passes. And like I said, it isn't even about results. It's about a style of quarterback play in which he doesn't release the ball until a body part is in his way. And you saw that on his interception in the red zone. He found his way into high traffic and let go of the ball with a deflection. Hmm. And, I, you know, we've seen three times now Duck Hodges has provided a spark. That's not to say he's going to be the answer. Not every spark ignites a fire, you know. Sometimes Can't just, start a fire without a spark, though. That's, that's true. Bruce that's, taught us you know, that. That's true. I, I don't think – this guy was sitting on the bench behind Mason Rudolph, so how good can he be? I, I don't know. But to me, you need – if you're Pittsburgh, your defense is good enough. You need a quarterback – not necessarily to win the game, just not to lose it. And maybe Duck Hodges can be that guy. Oh, we've got breaking news here. The NFL media newsroom. Chris Wessling has now hurt Mason Rudolph worse than Miles Garrett did all season. Oh, <laughs> I mean, poor, poor Mason Rudolph. I hope he just has like, a lot of success as a third string quarterback and ultimately becomes a coach and, and is very happy the rest of his life. But we don't need to see him ever play mm. quarterback again. I'm sorry. He can't. <laughs> and the Steelers know by now they can bench him and go with Hodges because they know he's never going to be the quarterback of the future. He's proven it. That's not a style of quarterback play that will ever last. I think it had to do with the pe- draft pedigree and with, with, you know, the early first training camp that Mason Rudolph had. There was a lot of people singing about his arm and all this other stuff. I don't think it's the worst thing for Pittsburgh in general to not have Mason Rudolph uh, dealing with the Cleveland Browns mere days from now either. Yeah. Well, it should be pointed out he's playing without, or the Steelers played today without Smith-Schuster and James Conner. This is one of the worst three or four offenses in the league with those guys on the field. They they, they could have easily lost this game. And I'm not saying it, that's, does, that takes anything away from what Rudolph did. I'm just giving the Steelers fans probably don't love what this looked like. I mean, you are you got Benny Snell and White Jr. Benny Snell running, did good. Kareth White played good. You know, I mean, these, Deion Kane, who just picked up. I'm just saying, like, getting a win in any way that you can get a win, I'm not going to this Worry game about. should not have been close. It should not have been close. The the Steelers' defense dominated. The, you know, Joe Mixon played well, and Tyler Boyd had some individual brilliant plays. But, you know, T.J. Watt had another great game, and, and Cameron Hayward, Bud Dupree, Mika Fitzpatrick had his eighth takeaway of the season. This, is, this is a good defense. Steelers-Browns, too, now might, might have duck. Hodges at quarterback, you would you would assume it will, uh, and it's a big game in the AFC. Well, it's you know they talk about that had not having been a rivalry since the Browns came back in 1999, and because of what's happened in the past, you know seven or eight days in our lifetime, 
It is a rivalry right now as much as it's been, and I can remember, in 30 years. Uh, and one more note on Rudolph, who had a really bad week. Um, the embarrassing incident, obviously, against the Browns. He gets benched today, and then it comes out that Miles um, Garrett – uh, said that he heard Mason Rudolph use a slur in his uh, direction, and Rudolph came out after the game today and, and shot that down. He said, "I, you know, I would not. I think any human would be in one day when your integrity's a- attacked and something said about you that's totally untrue." And I couldn't believe it, and I couldn't believe that he would go that route after the fact. But it is what it is. Uh, who knows? We don't know. We'll never know, know, probably. But just um, a, another ugly chapter to like a, kind of a hideous story all around. Uh, all right. Let us. Uh, oh, and that was the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. Speaking of the Brownies. Takes the snap. Play action fake to Chubb. Looking, looking, going down the field. There's Beckham out there. He got it. Touchdown. OBJ right in front of the dog pound. Good job of running by the defender by Odell. And he beat the young defensive back, Nick Needham. And, boy, he looked up into it. Tough son. That might have been the toughest part. Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon with the call. Browns Radio Network. Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham. See? It can work. Mayfield threw, Mayfield threw uh, how many touchdown passes? Four? Three. Three touchdown passes. Two to Jarvis Landry, one to Beckham. The Browns, three straight wins, as I said at the top of the show. 41-24 to 24 over the Dolphins, who are back to being terrible, apparently. Greg, excuse me, Mark, in their first game since losing Miles Garrett, uh, Cleveland looked just fine. They did, and I get that it's the Dolphins with all you know disclaimers ahead of time. But uh, this is—you could say this is the game in the offense that Browns fans thought they were going to get months ago, and what they've waited for, where the parts uh, were too much for Miami to deal with, and it has a lot to do, I think, with Kareem Hunt's emergence in this offense. That he's been used well, and there he hasn't diminished Nick Chubb, and who who is an absolute. It, I feel like Nick Chubb maybe. I'm more fascinated with him than uh, others are. You but, compared him to Jim Brown. Well, I, I see I see little flashes of it, and I, I, certain Browns fans of a certain mm. age would disagree with that, but I, I just think he doesn't quite get enough attention at this point for what he does so consistently on a week-to-week basis. But they're getting super consistent Awesome play from Jarvis Landry, who is, you know, and I think he was limited in that Dolphins offense, makes some incredible adjustments on the fly when Baker Mayfield isn't exactly hitting him right on. Baker had one bad pick where he kind of misfired to Odell Beckham. But in general, they were, it was as dominant a first half as they've had. He was 16 of 18, Baker Mayfield, for 198 yards with 11 yards per throw. Everyone got involved, and the defense you know, without Miles Garrett, without Larry Ogunjobi, without Morgan Burnett at safety, they were dominant. Joe Schobert, four picks in two weeks, has been a playmaker. Another guy that I just think that because he's at a position that he's not certain, he's not, he doesn't play like certain linebackers and he doesn't mm. get some of the splash plays, maybe also doesn't get enough attention. But impressive win. You couldn't have asked for any more. They, got, they went to sleep a little bit in the third quarter and let Miami come back into it. But the Dolphins have a leading rusher today, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have no ground game, and they need to be able to, for them to do what they were doing when they were frisky, they've never, they have no, they have nothing happening on either line, but they just can't impose their will, and the ground game killed them. It put them in third and long over and over in this. Mm. 
Hey, Chubb was uh, one of only three people on the Making the Leap series this year, nice. yes, along with Lamar Jackson. I'm going to retire that thing after these. He's well, third in the league right three, now. So yeah, we're down well. to do it. Yeah, we, I think you nailed that, Craig. <laughs> Nick, I'm saying Nick Chubb is third in the league right now in yards from scrimmage. Only McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, who are way ahead of him, to be fair. Right, right. But he is past Fournette, and he is third in the NFL in yards from scrimmage. I have friends from Tybee, which is deep Georgia Bulldogs territory, who think that Nick Chubb is a rare human being when it comes to like intestinal fortitude, toughness, overcoming long odds, coming back from serious injuries, and just being a leader. I they talk about Sounds him that like way. a young he Frank is, Gore. He never yes. brags about himself. He never talks about himself. He doesn't celebrate after touchdowns. He's not with twelve other people taking selfies, you know, and all this other business. It's like <laughs> no. He but just, how many times has he been on the cover of Madden? Well, there's a Browns had, running back that has bragging rights. The problem is, I think, from a, well, that it's true, and Peyton Hillis <laughs> can take that to uh, any place he travels. I mean, that that is a playoff game next week for them and the Steelers, and I know uh, the NFL's tried to bury it with, like, the CBS D team or whatever mm. instead of having it, you know, as, as the solo 425 game. But they win that, then you got the, the Bengals the, the next week after that, and you're, you're thinking you could beat a 7-6, and six, but it, you lose it, and, and the season's over. If nothing else... Steelers and Jets. I mean, the Browns and Jets are giving you December football. Well, a I will, little bit. The Jets are still. All right, the more. Browns are definitely giving you one December game that matters, and then they have to earn more after. Jets that. are giving us January football. What are you <laughs> if the Jets and Browns play relevant December football, well, there's it's there, Christmas. Miracle. Next game is in December. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, let's move up from the one. In motion, Godwin. Here's the snap. Resting the throw. To the left side, it is a caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin. It's been the Chris Godwin show today in Atlanta. Two touchdowns for Big Chris. This is really just a quick throw and catch. Good throw by Jameis. Godwin's the guy in motion, and he just runs into the flat immediately. And Godwin, great catch. Ball was thrown behind him. He's able to reach out, grab it with one hand before getting hit. It's a tremendous catch. Gene Deckerhoff. Great voice. And Dave Moore with the call of the Bucks Radio Network. Uh, good Jameis Winston has returned. The Bucks quarterback threw three touchdown passes, two to Chris Godwin, leading Tampa Bay out of the NFC South Cellar. 35-22 pounding of the Falcons, who might still stink after all. Greg, page 483, mm. section A, clause Z of the Lock Manifesto. Mm. Never lock up an objectively bad team riding a winning streak of less than three games. Ooh. I would say we uh, both went the down. number one rule would be in the manifesto would be there should be no rules to uh, any manifesto. That's just <sighs> putting yourself in a corner. I'm just setting you up to talk about the game. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, that sounds okay. like some. You're right, uh, Dan. I tried to, I tried to warn yeah. you, and it, yeah. and I, because I've done, I've made the mistake one times of, of going off the Seahawks lock to this. Ooh. Don't, I, no, I made right. a mistake. Don't mess with Greg when he's hurting like this. Right, it's tough. When, <laughs> it's when my Falcons go down, uh, the, like an the injured Cobra. The impossible dream is over. <laughs> Get an injured. Cobra. They're not getting to nine and seven, and uh, that that one yard catch. I think it was almost understated because I don't think they had seen the replays yet. It was so typical of what Godwin did today. Shot on that, that was a no. You, I, you, you can't tell. In, <laughs> I heard what in I the heard. Thing, <laughs> it the ball is behind him on the, on the one on the one yard line. He has half a second to turn around and catch it with the ball going against his body with one hand and then bring it in with a 
cornerback all over him. He made plays like that all day. I think it was right there with the best performances any wide receivers had in the NFL this season. Seven, all right. seven for 184 and two. And some of the catches are just beautiful. Him and like. Mike Evans are over 1,100 yards wow. for the season right now. And Godwin adding two more touchdowns. He, to me, is my favorite type of wide receiver to watch where he can make great plays after the catch. He reminds me a little of Anquan Bolden, certainly not the physicality, but the way he can come down with bad Jameis Winston passes, and there were plenty. He had two first quarter interceptions before playing really well the rest of the way is just amazing. I mean, he he makes it worth watching the Bucks. Why did they refuse to, uh, in Tampa Bay, find one running back and stick with it? Why, why is Ronald Jones always splitting carries 50-50? Maybe I shouldn't care about this, but it's like no. fantasy heads seem to be <laughs> had their hair on fire left and right about it. It just find, I find it's is it an Arians thing? I, it, it wasn't in Arizona. The best guess I, I have know, is that Peyton Barber is beloved and seems extremely coachable and has the fundamentals down. Right. So you don't have to worry about him maybe running the wrong route or being in a bad place for pass protection. But Ronald Jones is so superior as a runner. Joe, this is one of the teams that struggles to gain one yard more than any team in the NFL. And Peyton, Peyton Barber does that. Second. Jones was fine. But Winston you know, played one of his best games. It's like he knows what to attack with this with this. Falcons defense. His pretty throws are pretty. I mean, the 71-yard throw to Godwin was as good a throw as any Second quarterback. again? Oh, no, yeah. no, not at all. He threw two first-quarter interceptions, and they're four and seven, and he's, like, leading the NFL Arians in interceptions. He seems to get hot the minute the Bucks are deeply out of contention. Shaq Barrett also had one of the best games, and, and he's had a few of them, that oh, any sorry. pass sorry, rushers Mark. had all season. Wow. Well, Couldn't oh, be happier for him. Only one sack, but... Another quarterback hit. Five. Five. Or, no, five quarterback hits. Five Whoa. more hurries. He forced three penalties on Jake Whoa. Matthews that ended drives. That One of the reasons why the Falcons struggled and had these slow drives is because Jake Matthews could not stop Shaq Barrett, who also had a forced fumble in this game. I mean, he dominated. Talk about a guy getting the franchise tag. Ooh, there I feel go. like a pass rush that leads to a hold, you should get credit with like a quarter sack. Yeah. They hand out yeah. half sacks, and that's silly in a way. They yeah. had 16 passes ah. defensed and 13 quarterback hits. I've never seen such a stat sheet. <laughs> I didn't follow that, that one. That feels medical, uh, producer. How, where is the current state of your fandom when it comes to the Falcons? Well, I think yeah. they're done. I think it's over. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> I, had him, I, you had him playing January football. I was surprised that summer romance. I wasn't surprised that when Julio Jones is only on the field for half the snaps, that they move the ball slowly. The defense though didn't show up. I mean, they protect, when you protect Jameis Winston, he's pretty great, and they did not sniff Jameis Winston throughout the day. I think they had almost had a Golston one quarterback mm. hit on the entire day, whereas the Bucks had thirteen. It takes a lot of. Uh, juice out of Thanksgiving night's Saints at Falcons game. Woof. Not to mention Woof. Bears at Lions mm. to start off. Although, couldn't holiday. you see the Falcons winning that game? Even though it, it doesn't really matter. No, I, I just, I, really? No. How, like, they just won in New Orleans 26-9. They can't run the ball. They can't. No. Just no. have to be invested in it. Right. They, were, they started yeah. a guy named Quadri Allison at running back uh, 8 for 20. Their running backs had 17 carries for 34 yards. So it's Ryan trying to throw timing routes to Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley, and it, it wasn't quite enough. Your enthusiasm cost me my lock streak of six straight. Wow. But that that speaks to the power of the enthusiasm you had. It was so mm. real. I'll never forget that, you know, 
eight-day stretch. Lock manifesto number two. Never listen to what anyone else is saying in this room. We don't know Wait, anything. He should have Especially not me. Mark. Right, there you, you go. Were, you were on board with Mark. Lock first. manifesto. Take ownership of your pathetic loss. Never bet on the Falcons. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that felt like about seven hours, that recap. <laughs> Next game. <laughs> Talk about a, no, a long <laughs> snap. Pressure comes from behind. Mack hits him. Ball is out. Scooped up by Nick Williams inside the five-yard line of the New York Giants. Khalil Mack heard from. Brings him down <laughs> with a sack. And the strip is fifth force fumble. And the Bears are in business. Jeff Joniak with the, is that a backhanded compliment or just a little shade? At Khalil Mack? Heard from. Khalil Mack, who... Didn't even have a, a tackle last week on Sunday Night Football. Uh, he set up a touchdown today with a strip sack. Allen Robinson, season high, 131 yards. Receiving, and the Bears beat the Moribund G-Men, 19-14. 19-14. If ever a game was destined to finish, 19-14. <laughs> this was the game. The matchup at its core. 1914 and 1914 forevermore. Well, let's move on. <laughs> so dumb, so boring. Two bad oh, teams yeah. just slugging it out over three and a half. Mostly terrible hours of football. Um, so, yes, Khalil Mack makes an impact play. Mitchell Trubisky, not perfect, uh, but at least showed some signs of life. He set a season high in. Passing yardage, he even, Wes, and this is something of all the confounding things about this bear season that Mitch Trubisky, not the most gifted passer, but when you were trying to build him up as a guy, oh, he could be a franchise guy. He was great with his legs, and he stopped running this year as his confidence went to hell. Well, he actually made some plays with his legs, scored a touchdown on the ground as well. Uh, so there's, there's progress there, but still, you know. Well, I think he didn't want to get hit for a while. When, right. when he's playing with the shoulder injury, he didn't want to get hit. So he, he was less. And you saw it even last week on that option play where he held on to the ball way too long. Or, I mean, he gave it, he he flipped it way too early. Um, but I do think he's a good scrambler when, when he's healthy and willing to do it. Should do more of it. The Giants, meanwhile, are 2-9. and nine. That's seven straight losses. They've clinched their third losing season in a row. Um, the game actually was a five-point game with four minutes to play. Golden Tate had a 23-yard touchdown catch on fourth and 18, uh, but that that was it. So hmm. I don't know what else to tell you guys other than uh, the Bears won, uh, but are still not very good, and the Giants lost, and they are you know going to have a top five pick in the draft, and we'll see what they do with it. Right now, they I think a lot they're of number two. They're number two. They right are now. number two. Where they can draft a good defensive tackle with that pick. It, it is crazy <laughs> that they are one of the worst franchises in football. You know, for a solid run here now, yep. over a three-year period, they're they're there with with the Bengals and, and those t- type of teams. I keep searching high and low every week for like something to hang your hat on for next season with this Giants team, and, and doesn't show up. What about? Well, I mean, Jones, I think has shown enough that you're excited to see what no, he's going to do. Excited would not be the right word mm. for how Daniel Jones has played <laughs> over the last two months. Saquon Barkley had another quiet game as well. All right, let's move on. Hopkins is ready from tw- from 39 yards out. A 39-yard field goal for the lead. The ball is up, and Hopkins delivers. Hopkins delivers from 39 yards out to give the Redskins the 19-16 lead with 16 seconds to go. 
Uh, that was Larry Michael of the Redskins Radio Network. Dustin Hopkins hit the go-ahead field goal. 16 seconds to play. Minutes later, Quinton Dunbar followed with a game-stealing interception. 1916s. Uh, uh, Redskins over the flatlining Lions. Who, uh, you know, don't worry, America. They're all yours on Thanksgiving. Uh, Greg, what did you learn? <laughs> Tradition. Well, if you thought the Bucks Falcons recap was long, wait till the seven and a half minute soliloquy I've got about Jeff Drizzy and Bo Scarborough going leave. up and down the field. The big Drizz. Oh wow, are they robbed? They had a lot more yards than the Redskins, but they lost the game. That's just how football is. Sometimes you give up a kick return touchdown. Matt mm-hmm. Prater uh, misses a couple field goals, oh, and uh, kickers man. Suddenly you've set up Dwayne Haskins uh, to have his best two drives of the game. To his credit. In the fourth quarter, in a row, to set up back-to-back field goals, and uh, felt like a, a weight off of his back. He was very excited to win this game, uh, and just <laughs> wow. so excited. So yeah, he, excited. T- he took a selfie, you know, uh, with two seconds left, and they had to have Case Keenum, you know, kneel down. <laughs> By the way, I love. I, I was talking about the quarterback. The, it's no, over. oh, stop it's it. It's over. That it. Mark my words. It's over. <laughs> That's the only thing you'll remember about this guy. That is ridiculous. Yep. That is Mark ridiculous. Mark my words. Mar- Ricky. That take is day? almost as, as absurd 24th. as what he did. This right. A selfie with a fan? In his, in his defense. It has been foretold. In his defense, the Lions took over in a game that was, you know, all but over with eight seconds to go. And uh, yeah, then he and, and they had one play, and Jeff Driscoll threw an interception on that play, which he which he did a lot at the end of this game. And so there was only there was still two seconds left, and yeah, they couldn't get Haskins. I mean, come on, I'm more interested that he made some big plays uh, to <laughs> win the it game. It is an embarrassment. I'm sorry, and it's, it doesn't mean that this victory is not a nice moment in his career. And it's nice to see Washington give their home fans something to cheer about. But that's a disgrace. It's also the top headline like right now saying, on ESPN.com. <laughs> right. I feel like that's, which is saying, funny. that's saying more about us that that's like no, that big it's of a not. deal. It's it's come on. That's it's just that's funny bad coaching. Though. It's, it's funny a kid not a heads disgrace. in the cloud that need needs more guidance. It just can't happen. And I'm not this isn't some hot take on on uh, FS1 in the morning. It's just uh, just keeping it real here. That's, you know, a bad organization and something bad happening uh, at the end of a otherwise happy ending to a game. Terrible. Well, yeah, I terrible. Think it's a ridiculous thing for him to do, but it is a the it situation is a hot take was by weird. You to say was that, weird. Like, mark my words, he'll never have a. I'm joking about that. <laughs> Although I might be right about that too. That was a joke, but I, I stand by that. That is just oh, that is such a bad look. It's awful. It's, yes, it's silly and it's stupid, and it would never happen uh, with a better run organization. Yeah, because he'd Reds- know better than to be with the fans taking selfies at the end of the game. Highly thought the game was over. And that's what you're going to do if you're a highly disorganized team with very little direction. Imagine being his teammate. Imagine Belichick. Imagine what would happen. He'd probably be cut. It'd be, it'd be over. Didn't they leave the field too early recently? Oh, he left. He, whenever they, they lose. He, no, I'm saying that you know, they thought the game was over and it wasn't. I think that happened. I, it was a I, very weird It's the added layer of the selfie. Yes. Terry McLaurin, we should mention, is... Sometimes people talk about like quarterbacks. Okay, here's a rookie quarterback that took you know took over for his team and carried them to a win. That's a nice moment. Terry McLaurin put this team on his back. He He's got wide star. open for what should have been the game-winning touchdown to the drive before. Haskins missed him. It ends up being a tie. And then Jeff Driscoll, who looked determined, despite having a pretty good day before that, to just throw this game away through one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen that was dropped. Then threw an interception the next play. And then threw an interception on the last drive, too. Uh, McLaurin gets... 
an amazing Scary catch Terry. to set up the game-winning field goal. It wasn't really a great Haskins throw, at least on that play, and it was all McLaurin. And I wish the best of the kid. I hope he has a great career. But do you my really? Goodness. Do you really though? You're now you're rooting for your take. Of course you don't wish he has a great career. <laughs> no, let's I'm not. be real. I am not rooting for my take. I want him to have a good career, but let's not just you know toss it aside as something that doesn't speak to a, a larger issue with the entire organization. Or, or our entire society, but fair enough. And a request for the Detroit Lions, please never enter a season with Drizzy as your backup quarterback again. He hasn't been the problem. You, Drizzy. The guy, he's not give, a good passer. I mean, Drizzy. This, this is a franchise that only knows from Matt Castle as a backup quarterback, so you can't really blame them. I like him on the ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Big line here. Here's Garoppolo. Going to fake and boot left. He has Richie James Jr. there. Going to throw a deep shot. Wide open, George Kittle. 20, 10, 5. He is back. Touchdown! San Francisco! My goodness, what a play design. How good does that feel? Feels great, baby, George Kittle. (laughs) The great. Rock solid. Greg Papa and Tim Ryan with the call. 49ers Radio Network. Yes, after the Green Bay Packers put eight on the board and gave the game a little bit of a pulse in the second half, George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo combined to ice it with that 61-yard touchdown. Final score, 37. 49ers. Packers, eight. A total wipeout in a game that was... 10 nothing after the first quarter, 23 zip at the half, and it just never felt competitive. And, Greg, that was not what we signed up for on Sunday. <laughs> no, Night I think one of the most disappointing, if not the most disappointing, primetime game of the year, and it reminded me so much of the Packers' last trip to the West Coast where – they just didn't show up. They and stayed out late again. They were partying again. <laughs> right, that, that narrative actually city. should look comforting in hindsight because it explained what happened to the Chargers. But now you're just, if you're a Packers fan, looking at a team that's had the doors blown off them in two of their last three games. And that's big time concerning when it's the passing game that's a huge part of the problem. Aaron Rodgers dropped back to pass 37 times tonight. And he, the, the Packers ended up with 81 yards. My I mean, that, that is total domination from the best defense in the league or the most talented defense in the league uh, against someone that was an MVP candidate, at least before this. Sessler, I got another one for you. Okay. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 33 times. He averaged 3.2 yards per attempt. But that is not Gabbard's zone. That is something ghastly that I don't remember seeing too often. 3.2 yards per attempt. It's San Francisco's... Absolutely punishing defense that is playing really well. And I think it's a lack of big play options for Aaron Rodgers. Like they, Ideally, the Packers are a run team where Aaron Jones is so important to them. And they had no way, there was no real big play way back into this game tonight. Taking into account quality of opponent and holding a first ballot Hall of Famer to the lowest yards per attempt of his entire career... It's the 49ers' most impressive performance of the season. Hmm. And it it is a great timing for the performance. If there was anyone that kind of doubted them a little bit after the last couple weeks, oh, you you needed to step up in the final minutes to beat the Cardinals at home last week. Oh, you got beat by the Seahawks. Maybe you're not that good. Well, guess what? They are that good. This is a great Niners team that at 10-1 – 
And like we said earlier in the show, this is a loaded NFC, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all shakes out. But they, this is going to be a big one because what this does now, it takes the pack. We're just talking straight up number one seed. You could to me, take the Packers out of the mix for a couple different reasons. But at 8-3, and three, they're two games behind the Niners, and they have the tiebreaker, San Francisco. I would say this, too. I mean, the Niners obviously have this stretch of the Packers tonight, the Ravens next week, and the Saints after. You it, Had you dropped this one tonight, you could start to see the formation of a potential mini free fall that would drop the Niners out of that number one slot. Or even at, the two slot. Right? So this this was just an absolutely... But it's not... They didn't just sneak out of here. They, they pounded them, and it leaves you with a lot of questions about Green Bay's ultimate journey. And they can get healthier. They can get Matt Breida back. They can get uh, Joe Staley back. Uh, I'm so impressed with the team that, you know, they get Akela Witherspoon back, and they can't even put him in the starting lineup because Emmanuel Mosley's playing so well at cornerback. They've had as many injuries as any team in the NFL, and they might be the best team in the NFL. That's coaching. And Kyle Shanahan, the George Kittle touchdown we uh, heard at the top of this, that is a coaching play. And there was a few great co- play calls by Kyle Shanahan where he gave his team a big-time edge, made life easy for his quarterback, and you did not see it. Advantage, Mike LaFleur. Bad night, Matt LaFleur. <laughs> the the only thing saving, Mike LaFleur is the coordinator. Give him some love. The only thing saving the Packers from a free fall is they have the Giants, Redskins, and Bears the next three weeks. But this is an offense where that Raiders game in Week 7, Romo is talking about how Aaron's getting really familiar with the system. He's complimenting LaFleur well. Like, conceptually, he's starting to understand everything. They're in this groove. They'll get Devontae Adams back. Mm. And instead, we see, you know, I think in the last three-game stretch, Aaron Rodgers' kryptonite show up once again, that holding the ball too long and waiting for the perfect play. Well, their their defensive line, the 49ers, had, had another big night where they dominated. And Fred Warner has just been on absolute fire. A couple game-changing plays in the first half. But a lot of this is on Rodgers. Uh, you know, the fumble to start the game, which started off, you know, things on such a bad foot was one of those plays where the blitz kind of confused him. He, he held the ball. And the bigger problem was they got the ball back 13 nothing down late second quarter, 2.55 left, first down for the Packers. And they somehow went into halftime down 23 to nothing. Two three and outs where Devontae Adams, there's a miscommunication. Rodgers has a throw off. You give up a quick touchdown to the the 49ers. Then you get the ball back with 50 seconds left. Another quick three and out that the 49ers take advantage of. And it was over. I mean, once McLaughlin hit that kick, McLaughlin, Mark Sessler knew it. To go up 23 nothing, it was the biggest play of the night. Well, and then, then you come back in the third quarter and... Uh, Sessler treated that kick like it was Vinatieri <laughs> to it was with the Patriots. It was beautiful, and I thought it was very critical. But, the, you know, the, the Packers come back in the third quarter... I thought lacking some urgency. It, they they do score and they get there. It's twenty three to seven, but it's this long winding eight minute drive where suddenly the third quarter was melting away, and then the Kittle thing happened and it's lights out. Garoppolo had the highest passer rating of his career. They both both teams had eleven possessions. This is a telling stat. Uh, the Niners just had eleven plays, three hundred thirty nine. Uh, excuse me, they had forty five plays for three hundred thirty nine yards. Uh, the Packers seventy plays and eleven possessions for one hundred ninety eight total yards. It w- I mean, it was just mm. uh, a crushing uh, beatdown uh, by the pa- by the Niners, and we'll see how the Packers. We talked about it on Thursday. They were set up so well. If they could go into San Francisco and win, their schedule softened up enough where they looked like they would have been lined up to get that one or two seed. Now they're going to be scrambling because they're in a tough spot. But uh, good on the Niners. 
and uh, people are talking up the big bell bottom as a uh, as a building that uh, that that's uh, jumping. That joint's jumping now. They've had some energy this yeah, season. I mean, as they should. They've, there. Got, they've got a, it's been a nice season an overachieving 10-1 uh, star-powered team. They better be jumping. Helps to have your starting quarterback, you know, back in the in the fold this season, playing awesome and not being 4-12. and 12. I mean, that can wake up things like the big bell bottom in life. Okay, a reminder that this, sh- this video show, you can find it on YouTube or NFL.com. Erica, two things real quick before we say goodbye. Yeah. One, as the show is taping, breaking news, uh, allegations of uh, improper relationship for Justin Timberlake, oh, your hero. I was hero. hoping you weren't going to. Uh, bring Jessica, this up. is he stepping out on Jessica Biel? You Some tweeted photos. about it multiple times. Well, I just don't know how I can defend it. I Some don't, photos in the Big mm, Easy. I don't know what. I, you know, more information needs to needs to come out before I can yeah. make a, an, an educated opinion on it. It is my educated opinion to someone who follows these matters that the uh, the culture vultures out there have been looking to kind of rid. Uh, themselves of Justin Timberlake. Uh, they just want to, they're done with Justin Timberlake. So certain people in the Quote pop text culture. from Dan. They've been looking to cancel him for years. Yes. The pop mm. culture cognoscenti. Uh, Matt Money Smith told me that it, you, it, the G is silent. It's cognoscente. I don't care. I like cognoscente better. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. It's garbage. Pop culture cognoscenti are looking to get rid of him. If he cheated on Beal, okay, after he, you know, rode that Britney uh, being I know. unfaithful to him to the I top know. of the charts. They'll, they're sending him out. Uh, he is out of the picture. Mm. Never, never root for the vultures. He'll never have a, another hit album again, if that's the truth. So just live with that, Erica. Try to sleep mm. on that. That's the stakes it, here. The case is still... You know, right? Pending. We don't. We don't. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Just I said if. Yeah. Right. Wait, I mean, it's important TMZ to say that. quoted an onlooker. How much more reliable could mm. the story be? Yeah, but there are photos and videos and pictures and Ryan Bartlett here of brought canoodling? it to my attention. Yeah, her hands like draped on his inner thigh, like. But they're at a bar and he's very intoxicated. But they're co-stars. She might just be flirting with him. That I doesn't got... mean that they're doing something off. Wow. The ATN uh, media insider's got something on this too. Spotted without a wedding ring. He was. Mm. No. Triple source. Triple source. <laughs> also up in the air, whether he could have a Three hit album, lookers. whether they find them guilty or not. Greg, I mean, you shut your Man mouth. in the woods. Not, not well not received. As, not his best work. Not well received. And uh, I, we're kind of out of time, Ricky, but I also want to remind everybody <laughs> that Erica pointed out weeks ago, Dwayne Haskins, what a disgrace, the selfie incident. <laughs> Uh, the combine incident. Yeah, there was. Remember I told you boys about how I was sick with the flu at the airport and I was, you know, waiting for my flight and had 105 fever. And I look and it wasn't a fever dream. It was Dwayne Haskins <laughs> with his backpack, which was very, very expensive. Louis Gucci. Vuitton. You Louis said. Vuitton. Yes, I looked it up. It was like 20K. <laughs> um, and he went into the family bathroom, one stall where there were like mothers and children waiting. And he was in there for over 21 minutes. Mm. I timed it. Well, leave it it there. I mean, what else? That's a... Draw your own conclusion. Troubling time of possession there, and that's a... (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Greg. All right. Thank you, Ricky. Hang in there. Thanks, Dan. Hang in there. There was no ring. Let's go. Bartlett's like, what? (laughs) Still doing this? Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood behind the glass. Till Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 